we're going to um, jump straight into it. Uh, if you've got your phones there, you can follow along with the message this morning. I've got some notes there. We're reading from Philippians chapter 2. It starts like this. Therefore, uh, therefore, all the things that I spoke about last time I spoke from Philippians, you have been called. God is faithful. He will complete his good work in you. You're growing in wisdom and in love. And because of all this, therefore, if you've got any experience of God's blessing, any encouragement from being united with Christ, any comfort from his love, if any common sharing in the spirit, if any tenderness and compassion, then make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and of mind. Do nothing out of, vain, out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourself, not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of others. There's a, uh, there's a real swimming against the stream in our reading this morning. Uh, we live in an environment that's kind of toxic to the way of living that's described here. In fact, if you invert everything in this passage, it reads as a pretty spot-on description of the Western worldview. Make yourself the highest goal. Be unique. Dispute everything. Look out for number one. That's a fairly good description of the narrow, empty way of life that's handed down to us here. Paul, in his letter, will later go on to mourn the fact that everyone looks out for their own interest, not for the interests of Jesus Christ. That is the tide that we here swim against, um, we who live with Jesus as Lord. It requires a really clear-headed understanding of the gospel and its implications for our lives, unless we get swept away by that tide or drowned in it. There is a danger in, in the world around us that we will live out of line with the truth of the gospel. Um, Jesus is the way to life, but we live in the world that, as John kind of described this morning, has it so good, but because of that, almost wants all the benefits of the kingdom without the king. We want joy, peace, purpose, well-being without repentance or obedience or any cost. Jesus talked about kind of the things the world run run after in the Sermon on the Mount. He said, don't worry saying, what shall we eat or what shall we drink or what shall we wear? I feel like that's a pretty good description of some of the questions we ask ourselves as well. For the pagans run after all these things and your heavenly father knows that you need them. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and all these things will be given to you as well. That's the warning and the promise of faith. Seek first his kingdom and all these things will be given to you as well. Kind of connects in with what John was saying. We've never had it so good, yet we uh, have never been so anxious. It's because we've got the benefits of the kingdom without the king. Jesus went on to say, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves, take up their cross and follow me. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it, but whoever loses their life for me will find it. 
It's this paradox, this paradox of in giving our lives away, we find life that Philippians chapter 2 teases out for us. Um, It encourages us that if we follow the way of Jesus, the way of emptying ourselves and serving, we will find life in all its glorious fullness. Paul tells us straight up, he says, have the same attitude as Jesus. Uh, My message today isn't that complex. It's not very complicated, but if there's one thing I'd love you to get your head around, it's this, have the same attitude as Jesus. Like seriously, that's the call of this passage too. In our minds, have the attitude that Jesus had when he came into this world. John talked about entering into suffering. Our God being a God who comes alongside, enters into suffering and self-sacrifices and gives himself. We are to have the same attitude as Jesus Christ. What attitude? This one. In, the relationship, in your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus, who, being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing. Uh, in the passage there, it talks about emptying himself. By taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, And being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to death, even death on a cross. Therefore, God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow, in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord, to the glory of God the Father. Uh, Kylie read these words at the start of our service for those of us who are here. Uh, (laughs) Sorry, that was just a little joke. Uh, I'm glad to read them again because they're some of the most beautiful words ever written. It describes Jesus' decision to empty himself, not of his power, not of his title, but of his selfwardness. He humbled himself and gave himself for us. He didn't hold on to that for himself. He gave it for us. He served us and put his interests, his life, to one side, and obediently lived a life of love. And in so doing, he brought life. He has the name that is above every name. He took hold of glory. And the call on us here this morning as I've already kind of underlined to you, is to live the same life as Jesus. We now belong to his kingdom. We are in him. His life is our life. And we are meant to put it into practice. We are meant to live out that life. Whatever that means for us. Um, According to this passage, it means love and unity, and humility, and service. This is who we are. Because while we used to live the old way of life, we are now in Christ. We have been born again. Our new life is the way of Jesus. Um, I want to give you an image this morning. I hope you find it helpful. The core message of this passage is, if you imitate Jesus, if you learn from him, put his life into practice in your life, you'll be blessed.
you will find life. Um, if you imitate Jesus, you will find life. Again, simple, get your head around it, it's worth it. But I want to give you a caution. When we hear that, if you imitate Jesus, you will find life. So often when we hear the word life, we go back to the picture that we are given from our culture around us. The picture of the good life that comes from the world around us. If I do this hard thing of following Jesus, if I suck it up and get in there and do what I need to do, then I will be blessed with the good life over here. Um, I'll be rewarded with peace and joy and blessing. We think imitation of Jesus and life are two distinct things. They're not. They are one and the same. The way of discipleship is the good life. It is what life is all about. Life and blessing is intrinsic to following Jesus. It's not if you do this thing over here, then as a reward that's separate, you will get life. It's as you live this life, you will be blessed because that is the way of blessing. It is what naturally flows from living life as part of Jesus' kingdom, as we were meant to be, as we were created to be, as we're called to be. He is the way, the truth, and the life. And he invites us to live out that life in him and to swim against the tide. If, uh, if we get our heads around that, suddenly the earlier passages make a lot more sense. I want to skip back to verses 2 and 4 that we read out right at the start. This is a paraphrase of it, actually, which I found helpful. Here's how to do it. Hold on to the same love. Bring your innermost lives into harmony. Fix your minds on the same object. This is all plural, written to a church, saying, be united in Christ. The only way you can do that is by fixing your mind on Jesus, having his kingdom, his purpose at your center. Then you can be united in that. Never act out of selfish ambition or vanity. Instead, regard everybody else as your superior. Look out for each other's best interests, not your own. The answer to how to live life is for all of us to live with our focus on Jesus as King. Live lives following him and flowing out of him. And I'm aware that that sounds a lot like a platitude. So I want to get a little bit more specific this morning. Next week I'm going to hammer it. We're going to get really specific. We're going to talk about the year ahead. We're going to talk about what we're going to do. But this morning I want to get a little bit more specific. Following Jesus requires us to open our eyes, to see with eyes of the kingdom. It requires us to serve, to follow his example, to actually do the kinds of things that Jesus did, to truly become like him in our capacity, what we do, and in our attitude, how we think, to center our life around his life and to build his kingdom, not our own kingdom. Philippians goes on. Therefore, my dear friends, as you've always obeyed, not only in my presence, but now much more in my absence, continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. 
For it is God who works in you to will and to act in order to fulfill his good purpose. In other words, dear friends, what we must do is grow into maturity and take responsibility for working out our salvation. Paul is writing to the church at Philippi and saying, while I'm not there, you are responsible for putting this into practice. You are responsible for working out in your life what it means to independently, thoughtfully, with the freedom that you've been given, but also in obedience to the gospel, live your life. How do you, the individual that you are, the situation that you are in, obediently, faithfully live out the example of Jesus? In other words, what would Jesus do if he was living your life? I encourage you um, a few weeks ago around New Year's to ask that question. I'm going to encourage you to do it again today. What does Jesus want to do in your life this year? What is the area, the attitude, the behavior, the kingdom that you're building that he is wanting to change or to grow? Unless you're perfect, and very few of us are, there is something that he is wanting to grow in you. Not a punishment, not this hard work that you need to do so that eventually if you stick at it, you'll get the reward. But something that he is wanting to do that will draw you into his life and will be a blessing to the world and to yourself. God is looking to work in you, to will and to act. Um, I, I don't say that flippantly or um, theoretically. God is wanting to work in you, to will and to act this morning. Um, the sky is the limit on that. Uh, one of, one of Jesus' scary words to us his disciples before he was taken up into heaven was you will do greater things than I have been doing it wasn't you as an individual it was you plural you the church will do greater things than I've been doing because you can go out into the whole world you can be in more places you can stick at it for the long haul you can raise up people that I can't raise up You can speak languages that I can't speak. You can be all the way around the other side of the world from where I was. The sky is the limit on what God is wanting to do in us and through us because the ultimate end point that all of this is working towards is the reconciliation of heaven and earth, the restoration of all things. Jesus is calling us, be a part of that project. Play your part in it. This is where we're going. Get on with it. We probably won't get there. I don't think I'm going to get there. Paul, in his letter, kind of looks back and says, I'm not sure that I'm going to see you guys again in, in Philippi. But while I'm not there, you keep at it and God will complete his work in you. God will do what he wants to do in Philippi if you take seriously and work out your faith with fear and trembling. If you humbly play your part. And 
to do everything without grumbling or arguing so that you may become blameless and pure, children of God without fault in a warped and crooked generation. Then you will shine among them like the stars. It sounds like a little bit of an anticlimax to go back to talking about grumbling and all of this kind of thing. Um, the image um, actually, yeah, oh, I'll skip down to here. The image that Paul is um, giving us is of the Exodus people. Um, God pulled his people out of Egypt, out of slavery. He redeemed them and he says, I'm going to make you into a great nation. I'm going to bless you. Every nation on earth will be blessed. Hopefully you're seeing the parallels here between us as Christians who have been saved by Jesus and blessed and called to be his new kingdom people and living out his kingdom and be a blessing. And about a week into that process of coming out of Egypt, that's when they started grumbling and wanting to go back and complaining against their leaders and complaining against Moses and saying, God's brought us out here to die, this is too hard. Um, Paul is using this image and saying, work out your salvation without grumbling. He, what he's saying to us is, we are the new Exodus people. We are those people on the way to this new kingdom. And this time we're going to get it right. We're going to be a people who faithfully follow after Jesus with hope, who encourage one another, who don't look back and grumble, but who look forward and encourage. It's not always easy. This has been the great battle for the people of God. We very quickly lose heart and we very quickly start grumbling and complaining. I don't think we as a church are particularly unique in this. I think, actually, we live in an environment that in the culture of the internet has kind of invaded regular culture. The culture of the internet that says there is nothing that you cannot complain about. <laughs> Every opinion is wrong in some way and needs to be pointed out. Like, there's this sense that grumbling and complaining come naturally to us. We are not to be like that. We are to humbly recognize that others, um, their opinions even, we are to place above our own, that we are called to serve God together in unity, not diversity, uh, not um, dissension, not disagreement. Sorry, diversity is fine. <laughs> it's good. It's a gift of God. All right, I'm getting off track. It's not always easy. Um, one of the things that Jesus has given us, though, is um, the gift of being a part of a community where we can practice how to love and how to serve. Like, it's frustrating, but it's part of learning to follow Jesus, is to serve and to give and to be gracious with one another. I love that this passage. Um, can we jump forward? Thank you. Yes, awesome. I love that this passage talks about us shining like light in the darkness. The promise of God is that as we live that kind of life together, 
it will be seen for what it is, the way that life is meant to be. That in a world that's chasing after so many things, to see life lived poorly, a poor reflection, but it will shine like light in the darkness. That is what we're called to be, a redeemed people, shining like light. And that's why we look for opportunities to just involve people in our life, to connect with them, to welcome them in, to have a cup of coffee, to get to know us, to experience the life of Jesus. All right, I'm going to finish up my message. Um, I would like to read this one last passage. Uh, This comes from the first chapter of Philippians. It's kind of a lead into the passage we looked at this morning. Paul encourages us, whatever happens, whatever happens, conduct yourselves in a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ. Then, whether I come and see you or only hear about you in my absence, I'll know that you stand firm in the one spirit, striving together as one for the faith of the gospel. I want to leave you with that question. What is God calling you to, to conduct yourself in a manner worthy of the gospel? Where is that point for you? And I'm going to pray that we all would be committed to living that out. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we worship you and we thank you that you emptied yourself for us. Lord, thank you that you have called us into your life freely. You have blessed us with the blessing of being your people, of being in you, of being reconciled into your kingdom. Lord, we pray that we would not get swayed by the culture around us that tells us to focus on so many things, to chase after so many things. Lord, may we chase after you. For each and every one of us here, there are things that are on our hearts and our minds. We commit them to you. Give us the wisdom. Give us the endurance. Give us the uh, will to put them into practice in our lives. Lord, I pray for us as a community that we would live out your kingdom in grace without grumbling or complaining, but we would encourage, that we would push on, that we would be a people that shine out your life and your light. And we thank you so much that we have this opportunity, that we have a privilege of being your people, that we um, are learning together how to be united in you, how to serve, how to love. Complete your work in us, we pray. Amen.